0: Hello friends, I'm Luke and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org.
1: Merry Christmas. Christmas. Jacob talked about this is the seventh day of Christmas. We're still in it, the season of the church of 12 days, which means that while stores have taken out their Christmas displays and radio stations have moved on after playing Christmas music for more than a month, we are singing joy to the world today here at Holy Family. A week has passed since we celebrated Christmas Eve here with the story of the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laid in a manger, visited by shepherds and angels. This past week, my living room floor spent more time than I'd like to admit, covered in shreds of tissue paper, stray pine needles, candy wrappers, stray jelly beans, empty cardboard boxes, it's easy to look at the chaotic d- detritus left over from the celebration of Christmas morning and contrast it with the story of the Christ child and wonder what just happened? What was that even about? The detritus and chaos on the floor reminds me of the detritus and chaos in our lives. It is the leftovers kicked up from the experiences of this first week of Christmas and the weeks leading up to it. Or it's the mess of the world that has been there all along, impossible to ignore, even with the Christmas music in the background. Many of us by this time are Christmas weary, tired of consuming and eating and partying, or we will be after we celebrate New Year's Eve tonight. We might be filled with joy by time spent with our people, and we also might have spent time with people whom it is complicated or even painful to be with. There may be people we have chosen not to see this year, or perhaps we didn't even get a choice. We may be filled with loneliness or grief, bearing the week in literal or spiritual isolation. We may be emerging from a month loaded with cultural expectations, fraught with emotions and wondering, what just happened? What was that even about? John's gospel does not tell us anything about Jesus's birth in infancy. There are no angels or shepherds, no baby at all, no gifts from travelers. Nevertheless, the first chapter of John proclaims very loudly and very pointedly what it is the church has been trying to celebrate for all these centuries at Christmas time. And John does this in such an interesting way. Unlike the stories of the baby and the manger concrete and localized images that we can easily see in our minds, John starts with poetry and ideas. We hear about light and life and the world in abstraction. The passage starts out as beautiful, but difficult to make out, kind of like the transcendent God itself can be. John even assigns a name to Christ that we never hear anywhere else in the Bible, the Lagos, which is translated as the word, but can also mean reason, message, or idea. At first we get the sense that we are reading some kind of theological poetry, and we are, something that like the Holy Trinity and all its transcendence, we can only meditate on or wonder about. And then suddenly, we realize that this poetic theology has become a story which takes place in history. The logos, this ephemeral mind or reason or word of the transcendent God, has become flesh and made his home among us. Not only can we meditate on and wonder about the living God in its beautiful abstractness, we can visit his hometown, meet his mother, listen to his words, spoken with a human voice out of the experience of a human life. The prologue of John starts with the words, in the beginning." just as the first verse of the Old Testament starts. And this was probably done intentionally. The word made flesh was the same word that said, let there be light. Before that word was uttered by God, the breath of God moved over the formless deep, the primordial darkness of chaos. In the creation of the world, life was brought forth instead of the darkness of chaos. But my friends, the darkness of chaos continues all around us. When the Gospel of John speaks of darkness in this way, it does not mean dark and color. It means absence of color, absence of light. It means the chaos of obscurity, the fear that comes from not knowing what's going on around you, not knowing what is safe, not knowing what is true. In Genesis, the darkness of chaos is portrayed as a watery void. There's nothing to stand on, nothing to hold on to. This void, this chaos, this absence of light has pursued us since the beginning wonder, what is the emptiness that follows you in your particular life? What is the dim chaos that seeps in, that parties and gifts and noise can't always chase away? It's easy to see it in the world, in the suffering we read about every day, we see on our screens, in our streets, in one another's eyes. This is the dim chaos into which the transcendent God of all chose to enter in the body of a first century Galilean Jew. In John, God's Logos becomes flesh and comes to make his home with us in a particular place, in a particular time, in a particular body. This is the way it is with humans. We each have our own particularities. And Jesus of Nazareth is no different. In his own particularities, Jesus knew what it was to be human. He had his own loneliness, abuse, illness, sadness. And what's more, he was constantly moving toward the suffering of others, moving towards people with questions, with pain, with sins, with deep hunger. This is where Jesus spent his life on earth, in the midst of people pursued by the darkness of chaos. The Christmas proclamation of John is that because of his human particularities, Jesus is the light that goes all the way into the darkness. Wherever that emptiness is, the pain of humanity, the violence, the betrayal, the loneliness. Christ is there and is never extinguished, is never overcome. Christ has entered all the way into the dimmest corners of the suffering of humanity and shines there still. Because in the light of Christ, we can see into that dim emptiness and know that it is no match for his love. Because of the light of Christ, we can know what is safe, where the solid ground is. Because of the light of Christ, we can see the truth, which is that there is nothing that is out of reach of the dazzling, radiant light of Christ's all-encompassing love. And here's the thing. Christ became like us so that we can become like Christ. Because of the light of Christ, we can follow him into the chaos and emptiness of the world. Like Jesus, we are called to actually go where the emptiness is spreading, to reflect to others the light that is never overcome. We are called to be present to the suffering of others, to be used in Christ's healing work, to bear the light into the dimness of pain. Wherever there are gaping shadows, there Christ already is, and there we must follow, even as we are already filled with the radiance that is the hope of Christ. And there we will meet each other, holding one another up in the love of the incarnate.